You're listening to another life-transforming message from Awakened Church with campuses in San Diego and Salt Lake City. To find out more about us, go to awakenedchurch.com. So the title of my message this morning is When a Man Loves a Woman. So I'm going to be speaking from a woman's perspective to the men in the hearing of the women and everybody is going to be equally ministered to. But behind every story, within every story, there is usually more than one character. And often in this story of Hannah, we, we make Hannah the, the shining star, and she is. But alongside every great woman is always a husband who has loved her rightly. And so I don't want to so much focus on Hannah today as much as I want to focus on her husband, Elkanah, and the, the kind of environment that he created in his home in order for his wife to have this massive miracle breakthrough. I'm going to preach really practically. I like to come at things a little bit sideways and preach things that haven't been preached before. So this is going to be fun for me. I hope it's going to be fun for you. But I'm just going to pull out four four key points and a couple of scriptures to go with them and really kind of open your eyes, men, to maybe not what a woman wants, but what a woman needs from her man. When a man loves a woman. Point number one, write these down. They'll be great for you to discuss afterwards with your, with your significant other. And if you don't have your significant other yet, that's all good because you get to learn before the test. Right. <laughs> Point number one, he gave to her, he being Elkanah, when she couldn't give to him. 1 Samuel 1, 4 to 5. And when it came time for Elkanah to make an offering, he would give portions to Peninnah, his wife, and her kids. But to Hannah, he would give a double portion, for he loved her, although the Lord had closed her womb. Man, I want to ask you this question. Can you love your wife even during seasons of barrenness? And I'm not limiting this to the physical condition. Why do we love the movie, The Notebook, so much? Why did we, like, cry our eyeballs out when we watched that movie? (laughs) Say that again. Yeah, he's pretty awesome. He's not Jürgen status, but he's pretty awesome. But the reason we love The Notebook was was because it was a two-hour movie really just highlighting sacrificial, unconditional, selfless love. We see Noah and his beautiful bride living in an old folks' home. She doesn't remember him. She has dementia. She has Alzheimer's. And there's a scene I'll never forget where their three children turn up to visit their mother. She doesn't recognise them. And the kids look at their father, Noah, who still has all of his faculties, completely mentally aware. And they say to him, Daddy, Mama doesn't recognize us and she doesn't remember you. Come home with us, Daddy. And he looks at his children in the eyes and he says, look, guys, that's my sweetheart in there. This is my home now. Your mother is my home. And I remember watching that movie for the first time in the cinemas, Jürgen and I together. I'm telling you, you could have like 
heard a pin drop. People just sat in awe as the credits rolled and just bawled and wept and held each other. And then we went home to bed and we bawled and wept and held each other. And then we woke up in the morning and bawled and wept and held each other because we smacked face first into a picture of beautiful, unconditional, selfless love. Hey, you may never be faced with that scenario, but can I say to you today, marriage is seasonal and women are feelings-oriented. And there are times where I tell women to wake up to themselves. I know that. I do that at Cherish a lot. But, but your wife is a feeler by nature. And if you try to make her like you, you are literally null and voiding the very reason you married her in the first place. You married her because she was not a man. So there will be times and seasons where she feels deeply. She's moved by the seasons. You, by virtue of creation, you know, you just kind of stomp through life, taking charge, and it's a beautiful thing and it's a necessary thing, but she's going to feel a bit. And there will be times where she's emotional and she might have to process some grief and she may even go through the change of life and not handle it in a way that you'd like her to handle it. And she may not be able to give you what you need, but can you still, like Elkanah, give her what she needs? I'm not trading you in, you're 60. I'm trading you in for 230s. Why would you do that? It's not lost on me that a lot of marriages end and men decide to, to step away from their marriage covenant during that time, if I can be honest and and raw with you today, where there's that change of life, where women are going through a season where, where things are difficult and she's going through hormone graduation. <laughs> and things are a little bit all over the place and you don't know what version of your wife you're gonna get when you walk through the door at the end of the day. Here's what I will say to you, seasons pass. Every relationship will have a winter, but baby, hang in there, because spring is coming. And summer's coming and you just know that bikini's coming out again. Hang in there. Do, do you know why we say marriage vows? They're not for the high times. They're for the low times. For better, for worse, for richer, for poorer, in sickness and in health, till death do us part. That's why I hate it when, when you youngins, millennials, tamper with those vows. Don't be tampering with those vows. I go to some weddings, they write their own vows. I promise to make your, your favorite smoothie and to scratch your back and walk the dog. And I always promise to sit on the couch with you. I'm like, no, stop it. You'd say that after. We want the better for worse, richer for poorer, sickness and health, till death do us part kind of vows. Ah, strap me to the wheel we're going through. Can you love her even when she doesn't love you back right? And listen, if you're here today and you've done this wrong and for whatever reason your marriage has ended, I'm not here to bring condemnation. What has happened has happened. We can't go back, but moving forward, moving forward with the one you're with now or the one you will be with in the future, can you love them? Can you give to them even when they cannot give to you? Amen, Leanne. Amen, that's good. I like that. Ephesians 5.25, husbands, love your wives. 
Seek the highest good for her and surround her with a caring, unselfish love, just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her. These are strong words. And we're living in a culture where if it doesn't feel good, then I'm going to toss you out and go back to the drawing board. It doesn't work that way. You toss her out, you toss out how many years of memories, the highs, the lows. There are sometimes Yoga and I have conversations and, and, you know, just the stories, the memories we've made together through the good times and the bad times. And I've got to tell you, the bad times have made the good times so much better. And sometimes we don't appreciate the power till we have a power outage. (laughs) Hang in there, my friends. You might be going through a test. Every test can be passed. Seasons changed. The Lord is with you. Can you give to her when she cannot give to you? Amen. All right. Point number two. All right. Now we've got to spice it up a little bit. All right. So the women are all feeling good. (laughs) Come on. Point number two. He challenged her when she needed it. This is where it's going to hurt you, ladies. 1 Samuel 1, 7 to 8. Year by year, when she went up to the house of the Lord, that the rival uh, provoked her. Therefore Hannah wept and did not eat. Then Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Hannah, why are you weeping? Why do you not eat? Why is your heart grieved? Am I not better to you than ten sons? And listen, yes, there's a lot of ego in there. But this was a massive wake-up call for a woman whose season of grieving had expired. And now it was her time to understand it is time to stop mourning and grieving and time to start living again. And he said to her, Hannah, I am not putting pressure on you to give me what you cannot give me. However, I refuse to let you live in misery. Look at your life. Look at your life. Have I not loved you? Have I not blessed you and given you a double portion? This is not okay anymore. And he told her what time it was. Now, men, obviously proceed with caution. (laughs) Timing is important here. Timing is very, very important. We see that Elkanah knew how to mix the perfect cocktail of understanding and challenge. And I'm sorry we're so complicated. But the Bible does say, men, dwell with your wives with understanding. In the book of Peter, it says, husbands, dwell with your wives with understanding. Why? Because sometimes they're going to be hard to understand. (laughs) However, it got to the point in their relationship, a tipping point, where Elkanah knew it was time for a challenge. It was time for a hard conversation. Can I say to you, men and ladies, love involves challenge. I have seen some real miserable women in my lifetime. And if they're married, I always look at the husband and think, what's he doing about it? Where's the challenge? Oh, sure, send her to cherish and leave it up to me. (laughs) Oh, Pastor Leanne, oh, you need to get to cherish so Pastor Leanne can. No, it starts at home. I should be amening what you're already saying. So we, I, I knew a woman once and she was miserable 
and she made everybody else around her miserable. She had no friends. She had run everybody out of her life. And I wasn't so much angry at her as I was her husband. I remember thinking, bro, you got one job. Like, have a conversation with your wife. She's unhappy. And the tragedy was the the wife hated and despised the husband because he wouldn't lead. But he was afraid of what she'd do if if he did lead. So they're in kind of this very dysfunctional cycle. There are going to be times in your marriage relationship where your wife needs a challenge. And if you don't challenge your wife, she'll be harbored in unnecessary misery and confusion and tension and anxiety if you don't step in as the leader of the house and say, it is enough now. You're not going to turn our house into an atmosphere of terror just because you're having a bad day. This is enough now. You do not speak to the kids that way. You do not speak to me that way. You do not carry an attitude of doom and gloom into this household. Stop it. Obviously, Timing is important and also location. Don't do it at the dinner party when you've got all your mates around. Right, Pastor Jürgen has had a couple, of, I mean a couple, many of those conversations with me. And you know, I can't say that it went well in the moment. I can't say that I appreciate it every time and I didn't throw stuff at him or storm out or chase him or... I mean, I've done it all. I seriously have. I've, oh, geez. I've, oh, man, I won't even start. You'll think I'm more crazy than I actually am. But <sighs> I remember one time where, I, like, I was just in a funk, you know, and I realised I, I was just so overly emotional, not healthy emotional, but I'd let my emotions rule me instead of me ruling them. And I was pitching a fit. I mean, I had wound myself up and I was flailing and I was like the Tasmanian devil coming at him and the kids were watching. It was terrible. This was back in New Zealand many, many years ago. My husband just walked up to me, grabbed me in like an arm lock, put his arms around me like this, walked out, put me outside and locked the door. And I'll never forget, I only had Geordie and Ash at this stage and they were little boys and we had like mirrors by the front, like windows by the front door and they were just looking out going, Mom? I think they were kind of glad I was out there because I was a raging lunatic. But you know what? Look, and I'm not suggesting you do that, men. However, it was the wake-up call I needed. It was embarrassing. I was locked out of my own house standing there while the neighbours are walking by and I'm just standing there trying to think, oh, nothing's wrong, everything's okay. And it's amazing, God said, yeah, you can control your temper now. People are around. Oh, I can't control myself. Well, I I certainly did when I saw Mr Smith walking his dog. (laughs) Challenge, a bit of a challenge. He challenged her. And some of you aren't challenging and it's time to step up. Your wife is miserable and she's in a season longer than she need to be because you're pandering what you should be leading. And it was actually Elkanah's rebuke that was the tipping point in the story that propelled her to breakthrough. And I would say it's been true in my own marriage life. Many years I spent with 
insecurity and fear. And my husband, God bless him, called me out on it. He said, Leanne, how long are you going to let the insecurity on your life have you bowing your knee when you should be operating in the call of God that's on your life? We need some alpha men, some beautiful, loving, kind-hearted, gracious, generous alpha men with leadership to rise in our hour right now. We have need of you. We have need of you, Elkanaz. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 6 says this, Love does not rejoice at wrongdoing. It rejoices with the truth. How about you stop making excuses for your wife when she does wrong and start rejoicing in the truth of who she truly is and remind us sometimes, this is not who you are. You're not acting like yourself. This isn't you. We're good for it, man. We may hate you in the moment, but we'll love you eventually. <laughs> and I do, there are, there are moments when I'm so sober in my thinking and I'm just like, oh my gosh, Jürgen, thank you. Thank you for not letting me grind you into the dust with my emotion and my passion and, and my rage or whatever I was feeling at the moment, but actually stepping into the danger zone to tell me what I didn't want to hear, but what I needed to hear. And I stand to you today a pretty whole functional woman because of the conversations, the challenging conversations my husband has had with me. Amen. That's a good one also. All right. I will drink to that. The third thing. Third thing that Elkanah did. When a man loves a woman, he listened to her. And they made decisions together. Look at this. Now the man Elkanah and all his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. So he was a churchgoer, incredibly devout. But Hannah did not go up, for she said to her husband, I'm not going until the child is weaned. Then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. So Elkanah, her husband, said to her, do what seems best to you. Ah, I like it. <laughs> Wait until you've weaned him. Only that let the Lord establish his word. Then the woman stayed and nursed a son until she had weaned him. Do you know what we're witnessing here? A healthy marriage conversation. He presents an idea. Honey, it's time to go to church. Yearly sacrifice, committing our vow. We're going on our pilgrimage to Shiloh. Back in those days, they, they didn't go to church every Sunday. They, had, they, they took care of business at home and then they would go on a yearly pilgrimage. They would bring, bring a big fat offering and they would do everything that needed to be done. And Hannah said, listen, I'm not gonna go. I'm gonna stay here with the baby. When I go, I'm, stay, I'm having the baby stay there. He's gonna stay with me. And instead of saying, woman, do not cross me. We are going like we have every year. Bring that strap, that baby to your breast and let's get a wriggle on. No, he didn't. He's like, hey, honey, do whatever seems best to you. How beautiful. He didn't say, well, and, and also another thing to note is she didn't demand that he stay home with her. Well, I can't go and you're not going either. You don't understand what it's like. Uh, that didn't happen. 
She said, listen, let's, let's have a conversation. You're looking from the perspective of, of church commitment and I get it, rock on. But I'm thinking about the family and the child and we need to stay back. This is, this is the right thing to do for right now. Husbands, I, I wanna ask you, have you created a culture in your home for your wife's voice, opinions to be heard, to be brought to the table? There's something on the inside of her that God put on the inside of her that was put there to help you. When, when God brought Eve to Adam, again, Adam wasn't even asking for Eve. God just looked down for heaven and from heaven and was like, oh my gosh, it's not good for man to be alone. <laughs> I need to uh, create a helper comparable to him. I love that word comparable and it's the only version I like because the word comparable means the match on par. So your wife didn't come to you as an underling. She came as your match. And she's gonna be able to add and bring things from a perspective that you won't have yourself. And together, you're gonna make a family work. And she's gonna have a perspective and a side that you won't get because you're thinking church, vow, commitment, discipline. She's thinking child, nurture, family. Neither of them were wrong, both of them were right. They worked out a beautiful harmony within their relationship because they listened to one another. This man listened to his wife in a time that was very misogynistic and chauvinistic. Elkanah loved his wife right. Many men want a confident woman. Oh, I want a confident woman. I, oh, we love confident women. But if God gave you a confident woman, would she stay confident under your leadership? Or you're making all the decisions for her. You're ordering for her at Denny's. You're making all the choices. It's your way or the highway. Here's what the Bible says. 1 Corinthians 13, 4-5. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It does not demand its own way. Do you appreciate your wife's confidence and her passion in the boardroom as much as you do in the bedroom? Because you can't have it. They, they come as a partnership. Oh, I like her because she's feisty. Except at the board table, at the conversation table, at the decision-making table, then I want you to be like a dutiful, silent wife and be mute. Doesn't work that way. If you have a strong wife and you do this to her, you will run her away. Her self-esteem will not allow her to remain. If you have a more agreeable, tender, passive wife, you will grind her into the dust and she will become a shadow of who God made her to be. I love the story of Elkanah and Hannah and I love the story of the Proverbs 31 woman and her husband, the man behind the scenes. How do you think that epic woman did everything she did? It's not because he had put a piece of tape over her mouth and told her she could never speak and plugged her ears and told her she could never think. He created an atmosphere for her giftings and her talents and her strengths to flourish. At the very beginning of that proverb, Proverb 31, Verse number 10, I believe, it's written by a man. It says this, who can find a virtuous wife? 
for great is her worth. And then after her worth and her value is established, her equalness, her her comparableness is established, we see that this woman goes on to do all these epic things. When you allow your wife to have a voice and a say and expression and you give rise to her inspiration, you will find that she will become greater than your wildest dreams could have ever imagined. When you said, I do, you had no idea what you were saying, I do too. When you add your strength and put confidence in her, like the Bible says, wash her with the water of the Word. The Word of God is meant to wash, not to condemn, not to judge. Sometimes in marriage relationships, the Bible talks about uh, the Word of God being like a sword in, in the book of Ephesians. But the Word of God is a sword to the enemy, never to our spouse. When it comes to our spouse, it's water. We don't cut each other with the Word of God. We wash each other with the Word of God. He listened to her and they made decisions together. This was a real marriage and a partnership. Amen. He also didn't rescue her from hardship. He knew there was a level of strength in her that she could get through some hard times. So there was a rival living in that very same house, Penina, the other wife. I mean, I haven't even jumped into that side of the story. But that must have been a tense situation, but we never see Elkanah really speaking into that. And there will be times and seasons where your wife will go through things and you've got to resist the the temptation to rescue her from things that God is wanting to strengthen her through. And that's exactly what happened. You don't want to be King John Un in your marriage relationship where your kids and your children have to march to the tune and when you say smile, they have to smile. (laughs) And it's all a performance. And we have to look happy on the outside, but behind the scenes. your wife and your kids be in that way oh and it's to your benefit that you let her light shine let her become who she is finally he led his family in the ways of the Lord this is so key and really this is the perfect point to end on we look at the atmosphere that Elkanah had created for his wife and his family they were committed to the Lord They were in church. They were committed to prayer. This was a family that prayed. This was a family that served and was generous and was devoted to God in every way that anyone could ever possibly be devoted to God. And because of his healthy leadership, because of the way that he created this culture in his home of honouring God, when it came time for a miracle to happen, When breakthrough was needed, Elkanah's leadership was such that a miracle happened in that home. That a barren woman, the Bible says twice in that story that the Lord had closed her womb. A barren woman, the worst shame in that time to be a woman who was not able to bear children. A barren woman gave birth to six kids. One of those children was Samuel, the anointer of kings a kingmaker. What a legacy Elkanah left. He had a barren wife who was fruitful and produced because of the environment that he created. One of the hardest things that I have uh, learned through many years of leading women 
is this. It's very, very hard and very distressing for women when they have to drag their husbands to church. They have to be the spiritual head of the home. And they're the ones in the prayer closet having to believe God for them. And they're the ones having to come going, can we give an offering? And they're the ones having to come saying, gosh, will you please go to Emerge? And they're the ones saying, oh, please, can I have money to go to Cherish Conference? Stop, no. If you want this kind of breakthrough, this kind of life, this kind of legacy, then you gotta be the spiritual leader in your home. Stop it with the passive Christianity, man. It's enough now. And then you wanna complain about the women being too feisty. What's gonna happen? What happened when the men went to war in World War II? The women became riveters. We had to. We had to become Rosie the Riveter. True in the natural, true in the spiritual. You will find that when men step back, women step up into the gap and then the men say, they're mean. They look too, too mean and they're dressing mean and they cut their hair short and all that kind of thing. Here's, here's the truth. Biologically, what happens when a woman is forced to carry something that is not her responsibility to carry? Like raise a family on her own because uh, the baby daddy decided he didn't want the responsibility or is left to drag the kids up because the husband is disengaged and she takes them to church. Here's what happens in the natural. Her testosterone rises to meet the need. And then she becomes hairy and mean. And then you wanna point the finger and say, why is my wife so hairy and mean? It's because you have, you have put down and abdicated what you should be carrying. What I like about Elkanah was he led his family, he led his family to church, he led them to generosity and honouring the Lord, and he created an environment for miracles and breakthrough to flourish. What a man. When a man loves a woman, he led his family to church to honour God. A barren woman had six children. One of them was Samuel, the anointer of kings, the greatest in my opinion. Prophet, pastor prophet, the kindest, the sweetest, the most solid prophet in the entire Bible. I hope this story isn't lost on you. This all came out of Elkanah's household. This is Elkanah's legacy. He loved his wife when she couldn't love him back. He challenged her when she needed to be challenged. He gave room and voice for her expression and her opinion and he led his family spiritually. Joshua said, as for me and my house. And let me take a minute on that. Because Joshua didn't just say, as for me, I'm serving the Lord. I'm gonna rock on with my bad self. You'll see me at all this stuff. Where's your family, bro? Oh, I don't know. As for me and my house. As for me and my children, what if my kids don't want to go to church? Are they your kids? Are they under 18? I'm sorry you don't get a vote yet. You don't get a vote. Mum and dad are going to church, you're going to church. Oh, I hate it. Nobody talks to you. Well, nobody's going to talk to you at home either. So you might as well come to church and be ignored there. Just say what needs to be said. Lead your family, man. Lead your family. And here's the most amazing thing. The Bible goes on as, and I encourage you to read through the story of Samuel and just see that what you're reading is Elkanah's legacy. 
You're reading one man's legacy because he loved his wife. Who would have thought the success of Samuel's life and that story could be distilled down to how a man loved his wife? But they were in perilous times in the book of 1 Samuel. The Bible says that the Word of the Lord was rare in those days. God wasn't speaking because it's just like, I can't even. Oh my gosh. But the Bible says in a time that the Word of the Lord was rare, God spoke to Samuel. In a time when nobody else was hearing God's voice, you know who heard God's voice? Hannah and Elkanah's son. Elkanah's legacy is echoing through eternity. When you love your wife, when a man loves a woman, when he does sometimes what is the difficult work of marriage, the the legacy is gonna live way beyond your lifetime and impact the generations to come. I'd love it if you'd stand to your feet as we come to a close. I, I sadly have to race off to go be at the San Marcos campus, but I wanna pray for you. Just lift your hands. God's doing something today and this is gonna be a conversation starter for you and your wife and maybe your friends if you're single here today and just start to believe God for things to shift. Yesterday is done. We've got a new day today. How beautiful is that? And God's mercy is new every morning. What, what's done is done. We're not going back, but we are going forward. Let's go forward with God. I read a statistic recently that sadly 50% of marriages end in divorce. But do you know that that statistic is massively, those percentages are massively reduced. They go from 50% to less than 1% when the married couple attends church together weekly. Did you know that? That is, that is outstanding. I, I, gotta, I gotta be honest with you. I could count on one hand the amount of regular awakened church attendees that have gotten divorced in the last 10 years. I, I would honestly have to rack my brains to even think of one, but I'm sure, I'm sure there is. But like, I'm telling you, this stuff matters. Ah, church. Ah. Do you want life to work? Do you want your marriage to work? Do you want to not lose half your fortune and your entire reputation through a divorce? Like, go to church, guys. Lift your hands to the Lord. Thank You, Father, for Your goodness. Thank You for Your Word that illuminates truth to us. Father, whatever needs to land today, whatever needs to be grabbed, whatever needs to be put on the inside, and I know not every, not every point applied to You, but I'm sure one of them did. Which one? Which one are You gonna go, that was the Word of the Lord for me? I'm gonna love my wife right. I'm not going to play games anymore. I'm not going to be immature. When I was a man, a child, I spoke as a child. I reasoned like a child. I behaved like a child. But when I became a man, I put aside childish things. We have need of you, men. We have need of you, Elkanahs, to leave a legacy of righteousness and leave children after you that honour God and hear the Word of the Lord in a time that the word of the Lord is rare. Father, bless them today. I bind every spirit of condemnation in this building right now. 
every spirit of shame, get off them in Jesus' Name. Father, we thank You that Your mercies are new every morning and You are moving and You are shifting and the power is coming back on in Jesus' Name. Amen. Thanks for listening. To find out more about our locations, team, and what we do here at Awakened Church, go to awakenedchurch.com.